Welcome once again to the Pink Isle. As always, my name is Henry Kathman, and joining me is the rock angel herself, Emma Corey. Please do not ever call me rock angel again, Henry. Oh. I, am, I, I can't I'm believe sorry. it is Bratz o'clock once again. I uh, <laughs> oh can't boy. say I'm too thrilled to be back, but you know. Maybe there will be some entertainment to be had as we go on this journey again. Yeah, so, listener, we like to keep things, like, non-linear around here. We don't exactly have, like, a special episode order, but if you haven't already listened to our last episode talking about the Brats, we might encourage you to check that out, because, yeah, we're following up the last Brats movie by talking about the 2005 movie Brats Rock Angels. And, uh, yeah, so already, I know I've already spoken about my feelings about the Bratz as a property. Can't say I'm that much of a fan. Like, I, like, I understand the sort of presence and change that they brought to the fashion doll industry and how they sort of forced Barbie to sort of progress and change since they sort of demonstrated that she was not guaranteed market dominance in this field. Yeah, I'd assume if you want more of our opinions and some of the history of, like, the doll line itself, I'd encourage everyone to listen to our previous Bratz episode. Yeah, because it is a history of kind of shady stuff. Like, it's not like... I don't know. There's a lot of stuff about the Bratz that we've already spoken about in terms of how they've appropriated a lot of, like, uh, Black and Latina culture. Uh, they've kind of sexualized the dolls in ways that a lot of people took issue with. Some of it reasonable. Others, uh, Girls showing their ankles. Stuff like the Bratz babies. Yeah, that one's pretty yeah, bad, though. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's what, and then also talking about how the, their follow-up dolls, the Project Lull, I think, like, stealing the fashion from, like, modern queer people, which isn't great. Also, one of the baby dolls had a dick. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, they gave these brats babies dicks for some reason. Don't want to think about it. But anyway, uh, yeah. so this is a Bra- CGI movie, right? Bratz Rock Angels? Yes, so the Bratz did a couple of different uh, movies that were either CGI or traditionally animated. Another thing that I'm not sure if we mentioned in the last episode, Bratz is kind of one of the first ones to actually start doing like webisodes to promote the toy, which I feel like is... A pretty common thing for a lot of toy lines nowadays, but Bratz was kind of... Oh, yeah, definitely. Barbie has definitely followed suit in the coming years with stuff like the Barbie vlogs and the Life in the Dreamhouse series. But at least before the internet became especially big, they did have a decently big direct-to-DVD presence. So Bratz Rock Angels actually initially premiered on Cartoon Network in 2005. Now... 2005 era Cartoon Network wasn't in a good place at that point. Was that when they were doing like 
CN real or was that later on? CN real was a little bit afterwards, but a lot of their original programming had kind of fallen by the wayside. Like, don't get me wrong, there were some good shows out there still on the network, like Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends and Chowder, but... Oh, and Flapjack, I think, was a little bit after that? This was also when Ben 10 first came on the scene. Do you so, remember those live-action Ben 10 movies they made? Didn't they make two of those? Yeah, they made one that was like the original Ben 10 series, and then they made like a live-action like Ben 10 Omniverse movie, which was the series where he's like older. Oh, yeah. And like he's he and Gwen and the metal dude are traveling in space. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Kevin Eleven, also known as the poor man Zuko. Yeah, I gotta be honest. I'm not too familiar with the Bren- the Ben 10 lore. I have a passing knowledge. Mm. I hear it's really popular in Latin but America. It... Like, Ben 10's oh. kind of like a cultural institution nowadays in certain parts of the world. But that's not what this is about. The Bratz, this movie... So, Emma, normally whenever we discuss one of these movies, we start off by going through the IMDb credits and all that stuff. This was a bit of a journey in order to actually find the people that worked on this. IMDb certainly isn't listing them. The Bratz Movie Wiki isn't listing them. I had to skip ahead to the credits of this thing in order to find it. That's how you know these people are real proud of what they were working on. As director, uh, we got a mysterious figure named Muchi Facet. She has a single directing credit. This movie. Interesting. But the other big thing that really sticks out to me is actually the, the head writer for this show, Peggy Nichols. Now, Peggy, she wasn't an especially crazy big presence, except Peggy is primarily known for being the head writer for Daria. Are we sure this movie isn't a money laundering scheme? It's hard to say whether or not this is a laundering scheme. I must admit, I've never actually wrote, uh, watched Daria, but I know it's pretty popular, so. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, a lot of people have pretty fond memories for this series. For a long time, Daria was considered, like, one of the most critically acclaimed, like, animated adult TV shows. But, I don't, it, so you would think that she would get more work in other places, but she did unfortunately pass away, uh, in 2019. It's, it's interesting to see someone work on this. What studio made this Ooh, film? That is an excellent question. This was primarily done internally with MGA Entertainment Inc. It seemed like they primarily hired their animation team in-house. I wonder what the experience of uh, the insiders of MGM working on the CGI Bratz movie was like. I don't know. Considering that this is a less established animation studio compared to Rainmaker, who knows what's been going on. I can imagine this not being a crazy good work environment given some of the shady business practices we saw uh, MGA employ in the past. Though the most interesting thing for me is the cast. So, 
in terms of the cast of this movie, we have some returning voice actors. Returning for Chloe is Olivia Hack, Jade uh, Soleil Moonfire, Sasha T. Mowry, and Yasmin uh, Dion Kwan. But in one of her earliest screen credits, there's a character named Christy who is voiced by none other than Kaylee Kuko, Penny from The Big Bang Theory. I was not sure who that was, but now I know. She is the wife of Bazinga Man. No, no, she's she's the wife of Bazinga Man's roommate and the serial abuser. Oh, that's not fun. Yeah, Big Bang Theory sucks. That's not especially that hot a take, but... I'd rather imagine that they were all just Bazinga Man, since I think that's the only character people care about from that show. Uh, yeah. He even got a spinoff where he is young. Yeah, young Bazinga. He's young Bazinga, a man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, God, I I can't. I can't. Uh. Yeah, honestly, there isn't a whole lot else to say about this thing. I'm just wondering if this is the one where that one meme came from. I'm not sure what meme you're talking about, so I guess there's... There's like... There- there's like a viral clip of one of like these CGI Barbie movies where this this one character is going like, ew, in like a really over-the-top way. I guess there's only one way to find out, and that's to rock with the Bratz Rock Angels. I'm so joyed. I can't wait. Bratz Rock Angels! Rocks, rocks it on guitar. Fred in the face, Jane! A collectible guitar, a microphone, and music CD. Ready to start living like a rock star? Start rocking! Rats Rock Angels! Dolls and accessories each sold separately. Batteries not included. Welcome back to the Pink Isle, everyone. We have been on an incredible journey through watching Rats Rock Angels. (laughs) A movie... A movie that is baffling on all levels and feels like a waking nightmare for most of the runtime, which feels incredibly long somehow, despite being only like an hour and 15 minutes long. Probably because this movie is like three different movies in one, but it was a trip. Wouldn't you say so, Henry? Emma, I, I, uh... So here's the thing. So uh, in watching this movie, I found out that this movie is basically a backdoor pilot to the Bratz TV show, which ran from 2005 to 2006. At least I think so, because the TV show seems to incorporate the same characters and has like the same basic jokes. So when you say that this movie has like three stories, it almost feels like these were three episodes of the show that were just like smushed together. You like, know? like how they did for some of those direct to video Disney movies or yes, the Clone like Wars this is theatrical the Atlantis, movie. the Lost Empire 2 of Bratz movies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Ah. It is, you know, the, the first Bratz movie we saw, like, it was pretty ugly looking, but this one. Who, I, who boy does who boy 
this everything feels so slightly unsettling <laughs> the movements would, of mean, the characters and their facial animations and just the overall tone yeah like a hell universe you know i i have i will have my thoughts in a moment but first this listener this movie is so strange to watch it almost makes me want to forgive the barbie diaries that also had like very uncanny movement and stuff but it, it's ugh. I would say I feel I like know. this one almost goes into the so bad it's good territory for me. I think the biggest problem with this one is it like it kind of really starts to drag at the end like it kind of yeah overstays its welcome after a while but you know what I'll say this about the Barbie movies the the Barbie movies got bad in a lot of places but they never did get into the so bad it's good territory like I feel like this movie is worth watching just to truly experience the madness you know what I gotta agree with you as much as I hate to i i hate to put that on my conscience knowing that someone might actually watch this movie because of us but honestly yeah it is something that can't be truly understood until your eyes have seen the horrible sights that this movie has to offer you it is a ensemble of digital cacophony a true statement to the artificial reality that can be assaulted upon the viewer's eyes. This is very hyperbolic stuff that I'm saying, but it's just a real rough watch. I don't even know how to summarize this thing. So maybe we should talk about the general kind of tones that come about of this movie. You know, just how it's paced, how the how it's edited, because it's it gets pretty wild. So so listener, listener, you know what this movie reminds me of? Ang Lee's hulk movie from 2003 oh my god they both came out at the same time and they were both taking advantage of new digital editing techniques because in the early 2000s people had already started to shift to digital back in the 80s and 90s to a certain extent it wasn't as a common practice back then but by the 2000s when computers became more commonplace and the internet began to democratize a lot of filming talent you ended up seeing this trend where filmmakers like Ang Lee were experimenting by using some of the crazy transitions that could be more easily employed versus editing on celluloid film. The result is that you end up getting a lot of moments where you'll just see characters like freeze frames with the image shifting and twirling and doing like all like... Picture all the generic PowerPoint transitions that you would see on a fourth grader's PowerPoint presentation. And those are the edit transitions you see in this movie. Emma, what do you think was the most strange editing transition that you saw in this movie that you could at least remember? Uh, I think my favorite one was... uh... Maybe it wasn't a screen transition, but uh, when the villain just like straight up fell down an elevator shaft and died during a transition <laughs> obviously not real but it was yeah that's another thing so you get a, you have a lot of these weird jarring transitions where it'll be something like oh the brats logos flashing back by the screen or like this weird wave warp transition or uh like a freeze frame cutout of the character zooming it they do a lot of that stuff but to your point emma they also have a lot of scenes where there will just be 
random cutaways in order to like sort of illustrate what that character is feeling in the moments and some like you'll see like a character one of the brat stalls just shrink when she feels dejected you'll see like a guy deflate and fly around like a balloon (laughs) you know what this is this is a movie made out of those bowling pin cartoons that <laughs> you see in a bowling alley whenever someone rolls a strike. Oh, you know God, the ones? You're so right. Like you'll see a bowling ball walk up to the pins and like leave a bomb and the pins will explode. Yeah, I feel like this movie is just so hard to just describe. Like, you know, I feel like you just gotta see it for yourself, you know? Yeah, but I'm gonna give it the college try just summarizing as saying, honestly, we're probably gonna leave a lot of things out because I'm not going to account for every single strange edit and cutaway gag that they do because there are so many. That's like half of this movie or at least a third of this movie, given how short they are. So, uh, Henry, how would you describe the general plot of this film? So... All of this is built past a framing device where the Bratz Rock Angels are number one recording rock stars. And one of the Bratz looks to the camera and is like, this is the story of how we became famous. And they proceeded to have a completely different movie for like 90% of the movie. And then in the last 10 minutes, they're like, oh, yeah, we also yeah, became you think rock stars. Going Bam. by the intro and the title, this would be about like the brats being musicians. But no, it's literally not until, like you said, the last 15 minutes of the movie. No. That it even comes up. <laughs> it's the, the, most of the movie is concerned about them trying to get, do this fashion magazine. Honest, it's it's okay. The more I'm thinking about this movie, the more like frustrated I'm getting. So, uh, listener, the, the the main overall characterizations established in the previous movies. This movie starts with Jade, aka Cool Cat. <laughs> But she does not save the kids in this movie, so. (laughs) No, she doesn't. No, she doesn't indeed. Uh, But she gets an internship. Fashion magazine? I don't know. It's a fashion magazine. It's essentially Devil Wears Prada. Except the main editor for this place is Burdine Maxwell. Basically, she's like the queen of fashion. She's real bossy and all that stuff. And you mentioned that she seems like a call out to Barbie. Oh, yeah, definitely. Her and especially you want to talk about the twin characters, our main kind of mean girl villains. Okay, yeah, we need to. uh, Yeah, uh, apologies for getting ahead of myself. So there are these two twins named Christy and Casey. Christy's the one that's voiced by Kaylee Kuko. It's so hard to tell because these are just stereotypical valley girls. They're called the Tweevils because they're evil twins. And Christy, she's the slightly smarter one with that crown-shaped hairband that you can barely see. And Casey is the dumber one who got a nose job. And the whole joke of her character is that she's got this bandage over her nose and she's constantly getting hit in the face and, and it's, injuring her nose. And it's funny the first, like, three times. Yeah, and, but... and 
afterwards it feels gratuitous. Yeah, also they're like weirdly proportioned. Like they don't have the brat's proportions. They got these like really small shoulders and like really skinny kind of twig bodies. So I definitely feel both through these characters and the Birding Maxwell character, it really feels like they really are like fuck Barbie in this yeah. movie. <laughs> like they get they get more uh like sort of humiliating things happening to them in this movie to an almost somewhat surprising degree. Yeah, they it just I mean, they're jerks, but it at some point it just feels gratuitous, especially since like the brats honestly don't seem that too far different personality-wise, which I guess is the point of the whole brats brand, but I don't know. I think just the fact that they're just so uncanny looking and the fact that they have such short skirts, like if they sat down without crossing their legs, you would just see it all and it's like I don't want to have that in my brain when I'm talking about these high school characters who get nose jobs I can't I don't think I'm emphasizing the fact that they they have this high schooler get a nose job and it's like a normal thing where does this take place like takes place in this place called Stylesville same place and yeah oh yeah Maxine Birdwell is voiced by Wendy Malick it it honestly it's one of those things where it's like, Wendy, what are you doing? I hope you got a good paycheck out of this. I mean, like, I could see having fun in this role, though, because she does get to handle That's it true. Up. She seems like she's the only one who's, like, really, like, channeling her chaotic energy. Like, listener, you might recognize her as uh, Ida from the Owl House, as well as uh, Chi-Chi from The Emperor's New Groove, and just a lot. She was a, a lot. Bojack's mom and Bojack Horseman. Oh, yeah. 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 So, like, she's... She's got a sort of a thing. Her kind of character archetype is sort of authoritative older women, so... Yes. And she does a really good job with that voice. And in this one... Like, you do get the impression that she kind of was just like, all right, you want me to be a hammy, bossy woman? All right, cool. Yeah, so the first section of this movie is essentially Jade gets treated really badly being an intern at this fashion magazine. And then she's like, I don't need this. I'll make my own magazine with blackjack and hookers. But it's, well, she gets fired it's first. Real rough. For but you know, then she gets back on the horse, and the brats decide yeah. to make their own fashion magazine with blackjack and hookers. And they're able to rent an office space in the same building that the other fashion magazine was. With what money? Who knows? Who knows? They get this penthouse apartment, and they have this montage where they fix it all up. And they get it kitted out in all the standard early 2000 architecture stuff that just, boy, howdy, if that doesn't date this thing. And also, I was right. This is where the ew meme comes from. So if you if you like that clip, the entire movie is like that. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that is definitely mimetic about this movie. Something that I've recently found out. So when I was looking up this movie, 
apparently the brats actually still have like some bit of an online following nowadays mostly for the people who are really sucking in that early 2000s y2k type uh nostalgia which i don't know how i feel about that looking back on those years with fondness but okay it's apparently part of like another one of those core movements called webcore have you heard of that i can't keep up with all the cores it's too yeah, many yeah you got you got cottage core you got goblin core you got clown core and now there's webcore which apparently i don't I, this is the first time i'm hearing about it it's probably not that big a thing but it's still just like you forgot everyone's favorite vague aesthetic dark academia <laughs> Yeah, that's a thing. Yeah, this movie Ugh. does really reek of like the Barbie Mycene website where they always got like the fashion game where you can like put the makeup on the like doll characters. Yeah, we're going to need to talk about the Mycene movies at some point. Maybe so. Like, do you think those early flash kind of like fashion games were sort of the precursor to like the pit crew phenomenon now? Oh, no doubt. Honestly, I kind of see it as just a continuation. So they start this new magazine with Blackjack and Hookers. And still, so while Jade was at her stint with Burdine, Burdine like threw away a bunch of invitations. One of those being an invitation to like a world premiere rock concert benefit thing with celebrities in London. These brats are just going to commit fraud, I guess, and use these stolen... And no one ever, ever notices or questions No one. Well, Burdine questions it near the end, but this is far after they've already, like, gotten into a hotel and all this stuff. Also, this movie gives us the origins to their the name Brats. Like, yeah. it's not just, like, the name of the brand. It's, like, their in-universe name that they call themselves. Yeah, yeah. Gotta get that vertical integration. I don't know. Part of this does reek as, like, a very early precursor to some of the hashtag girl boss you see nowadays. Because they're talking about how, like, yeah, we're brats, but we're gonna own it. We're gonna reclaim this term for ourselves. Which, you know what? Yeah, there's a lot of kind of gendered bullshit that kind of comes with the term brats, I guess. I mean, it's not, it's not as prominent, I would say, to some other stuff young girls deal with growing up, but, and please stop me if I'm out of my lane on this one, but a lot of this just feels like kind of pandering where it's like, yeah, girls, you could be mean and like rude and abrasive and that'll be fine because hashtag feminism. These kids in this movie are definitely giving me a get off my lawn uh, <laughs> oh, energies. Oh, you just know that like if these girls aged up, they would definitely go full Karen by adulthood. Oh, yeah. They'd be uh, selling you the Lula Moon <laughs> to messaging you on, <laughs> on Facebook being like, don't you want to be your own boss? <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. They would they would like one of them would be like owning a crystal shop. 
and like try to get you into essential oils. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Chloe would be an anti-vaxxer. Oh, she's no doubt. She's got the vibes. <laughs> and, uh, like, I don't want to besmirch Sasha too much, but maybe, I don't know. I've, Sasha feels like she would give off the vibes of, like, hey, y'all need to come to Jesus. Like, she would be one of those Christians. Oh, oh no. <sighs> anyway. Like, Do you know who else had a wet-ass pussy? we're never gonna i feel like yasmin would be cool i feel like she'd get out of it i feel like she'd be (laughs) yeah Okay, okay, we just gotta, we gotta get through this thing, or we're never gonna exit this brat's hell zone. Also, we get a title card, like, 30 minutes into the movie, kind of? Yeah, a title card. When they're on the plane, they just fly fly through, through, like, a cloud formation that says brats. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to go through some of the just the general arcs that we see just because they kind of come and go and they're very self-contained. Like, like I said, there's a lot about this movie that feels like it was three TV pilots kind of just smushed together. So the first arc, Chloe sits next to this Duke guy. I'm not even going to She She sits next to to baby Hugh Grant on the plane. There's like... He's like this fancy English duke who's, I don't know, who you just know would be like hardcore advocating for Brexit. But he he, he and Chloe begin this sort of romance and Chloe starts forgetting her friends and starts worrying more about him. I mean, I was for sure that he was going to end up being like a scam, like... <laughs> Like a fake royal, but nah, he just ends up being kind of a weird jerk. Chloe thinks like, oh, you're not, you're not respecting me. And he's like, oh, I'm just going to move on and flit with these two twins. Who look yeah, he's really nice. attracted to the, to the, to the evil twins, which are. Uh... Yeah. Yeah. It's. Also, big question. Where are the Bratz's parents? Well, I'll tell you this. The only one we get is with, like, Chloe's mom calling her, but she gets annoyed and tells her not to call her. Yeah. So I'm thinking there's some, like, familial issues going on here, but it's like, where do they get all the money? Do the parents just, like, not care about letting their teenage daughters go to London unsupervised. I mean, you just know these are just trust fund babies. Like, they come from, like, super rich old money parents who, like, who are, like, the third generation, like, millionaires. They're not full-on billionaires, but, you know, 
The brats all remind me of Mark from Rent. Oh, God. Because they're all like, this is my, our fashion magazine's going to Well, ch-. at least they're not really like Mark in the way that we're like, we're going to choose to be poor to help our art. That's true. That's true. But they do also act very pretentious about their magazine being like, ah, oh, this magazine's going to be the hottest sensation, which because they're the protagonist, of course, they, it, it, it ends up being that. Yeah. I feel like the only thing is they don't have quite the same. Uh, the Rent characters don't have quite the same uh, uncritical, unabashed love of uh, capitalist comforts as the, the brats do. That's very true. The Bratz like is the defini- aesthetics of a rebellion. Much like the actual fashion industry and most pop culture, they took the ideologies and the very radical basis for punk culture and co-opt it into a marketable aesthetic, fueling the very machine that these punks are raging against. Hmm. You know, it's almost like we live in a society. I'm the Joker, baby. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So honestly, just talking about that Prince Duke, whatever plot actually ends up take up a taking up a bunch of the movie. Yeah, this essentially goes into the second section of the movie where there's like this really kind of forced like conflict between the girls. Yeah, where it's like. Because Yasmin gets mad at Chloe because she ditches her to go hang out with the Duke. And Jade gets mad at Sasha because she, like, organizes things too much or, like, is too... It's not very well established. And you're right. It feels very contrived. Like, the poor writers were like, ah, crap. We got to get these girls to fight because women. So I guess one's a control freak. Sure, that works. But it's so weird because, like, one of the major writers for Daria worked on this show, and Daria greatly pushed back on a lot of these sort of trends. Yeah, I'm, I've just got a feeling that they probably didn't really have a lot of creative freedom when creating this yeah. movie to promote a toy brand, you know? Oh, yeah. And by golly, do they promote that brand in this? Oh, yeah, this... I feel like I say this for a lot of these movies, but really this one feels so much like this is a toy commercial. Just the amount of times the brats like kind of change clothing or just have random like clothing change montages or just all the brats logos everywhere. It really does not let you forget that this is a brats property and you are in their world. It's certainly prominent. Though with that said... They end up solving these issues pretty quickly, but not after a sad montage where they all do their own separate things and one of them finds a dog. Yeah. Also, we forgot to mention at the beginning when they first got there, they, of course, do their obligatory London tour. But of course, like they're not going to render all these different London locations. So they just like go (laughs) on a clip art montage in, in this back of this background. A lot of the animation feels like they were using pre-made cycled animations, like animations on like some pre-made rig that they could just apply to the characters. And the result is that there's kind of a lifelessness to some of the animation. It's just very utilitarian. 
one thing I will say that's, I guess, somewhat impressive, like it's not great, but what did you think of the real-time hair physics that was just going on all throughout this movie? I mean, I guess props on them to implementing those, I think, before Barbie did, but yeah, very much they yeah. do got some uh, some spaghetti on top to... that's yeah i think i think honestly barbie made the wise decision as to not render that sort of stuff at that point because this is 2005 this is island princess territory now yeah i would i would say though i feel like if you were someone who is a fan of the toy then you could watch this and be like yeah yeah i want to buy that toy it does really hit you with that subliminal toy buying message in there. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, the Bratz Mo- Wiki is not very comprehensive, but one thing they do have, by golly, is just every single tie-in product from their special digital camera, their weird Camaro car with the bulls on it, their limo, and that one Bratz boombox thing that they put on for one second. And the recording studio thing near the very end. Shame this movie has none. Also, the the Birdine and the twins are there as well. Yeah, they end up showing up. And of up. course, they get to go through the humiliation conga by they don't get the fancy room. And the yep. twins sabotage Birdine by telling her that like... For some reason, I, like, yeah... They have a mutual enemy with the brats. I don't know but why. But they also hate each other. So that's that's also true. Could you think? Can you think of like a single likable character? Actually, I kind of like the boys. Yeah, the boys are fun. Even though Cameron scares me more than any other character. Oh, I just yeah. something about his his blank doll like face <laughs> and just, his giant lips. I know he's just. There's something really uncanny about him for some oh, reason. Oh, yeah. There's something uncanny about so many of the Bratz dolls. The twins also Also, gave... like, how did how were they able to get plane tickets if, like, the invitation was for three people, but there are, like, six of them, including the boys? Eh. I'm sure, like, the parents footed the bill, just like they footed the bill yeah. of their fancy penthouse apartment in downtown stylesville i mean we don't know how the stylesville economy is doing maybe maybe it was actually really cheap that's true maybe stylesville is like it's like las vegas it seems very prestigious and kind of glamorous to certain people but it's just really hiding a very seedy underbelly and uh a lot of poverty and i imagine stylesville is very similar to that no, I know exactly how they were able to afford these apartments. All the brats are kids of... They're all landlords. Oh, God. No. That's exactly... It all makes sense yeah, now. Yeah, the parents were probably just like, yeah, have this luxury apartment in the skyscraper. Just be wary of all the terrible homeless people that are around the building. Man, oh it's a shame that we have no power to address this issue. Okay. Oh so, yeah, the brats make up. And then we get to the final third of this movie. Yeah, this is a part where the movie just started like wearing down. Because again, we're like two thirds the way from the movie. And finally, the smidgen of like the rock star plot. Because 
We forgot to mention that dog that Yasmin found belonged to a man named Brian Howell, who is who was a judge on like the singing competition they watched. Yep. And they 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 meet him in line to go to that punk club. Yep. And he lets them in, and because they got his dog, he decides to invite them to the fancy concert. You just know it's an early 2000s joint when people are talking about American Idol. Like, remember that whole Shrek 2 bonus feature? I know. I remember it always made me so mad because it had a whole bunch of options, but there are really only like three characters you could actually pick to win. Yep. So all the other characters, if you picked the wrong one, Simon would assign himself the winner yep. instead. Which, ugh. actually, th- now I think about it, it's Simon is still plaguing an animation today. Like, he was that whole subplot in Scoob. There was a Simon Cowell subplot in Scoob. Yeah, in the new movie Scoob, the whole thing is that Simon Cowell wants to bankroll Mystery Incorporated into, like, a some type of standard rich and famous contract, but the catch is, is that they got to kick out Shaggy and Scooby, and that's what kind of is the inciting incident. Wow. I didn't know the Scoob lore went so deep. Do you know there was one Scooby-Doo movie that had, like, a crossover with, like, Food Network chefs, and it was established that Bobby Flay is Fred's uncle? Fred's uncle, uncle. yeah. Beat Bobby Flay. Yeah. More like I want to beat up Bobby Flay. <laughs> His smug face. Okay. Oh. Okay, that seem, this seems very specific of a goof, but all right. You don't know Bobby Flay like I do. I obviously don't. Man has haunted me for years. <laughs> okay. So, listeners, something that I want you to keep in mind, when we recounted this plot, that broad outline that we kind of just blazed through, we aren't really missing anything except the many, many, many cutaway gags that just kind of happen. Everything from the brats taking photos next to one of the London guard. The twin evils trying to deal with all their drama and one of them always getting hit in the nose. Just weird edits and it's just literally you can't go two minutes without one of these cutaway gags. In fact, I can't tell what was cutaway gag and what was actual plot because nothing actually felt necessary. So... Part three of the arc of this whole movie comes along where there's another concert that they got tickets for, but they're stolen by the twin evils. And so this, this, at this point movie is finally where the the rock star subplot takes place because they figured if they want to get into the concert, they just gotta make their own band. And so... Apparently, all the brats know how to play just guitar. They all just play guitar. It's an all-guitar band. And the boys are able to just find, like, expensive equipment just, like, out at the flea market. At the flea market. No, yeah, I... (laughs) And, of course, they get another makeover. Yeah, yeah. They don't even spend a lot of time actually playing their song. They just kind of start. And it's fine. Yeah, they just know the song. You don't see them, like, writing the song or rehearsing or, like... Yeah, no. They just do it, okay? They just go... They go to the club. They make their way in. Also, there's a fifth one now. Because... They roll up in a limo. It's not even a limo. 
They say it is, but it's not even. <laughs> so not Simon Cowell. I forget it. Byron Howell. Byron Howell. How dare you disrespect the name of Byron? Everyone's favorite uh, mean British man. I'll, I'll disrespect him all he wants. Byron says that there's this special band called Crash that is the main band that And is. also the name of everyone's favorite Best Picture winner movie. <laughs> oh, oh, I hate it. Anyway, yeah. Or as I like to call it, Green Book the first. <laughs> so they, so they, sh- so it turns out the band broke up. And because of that... Roxy's not ready to go solo. And Byron's just like, can you girls sing? And they're like, can we? So I guess they're in a band now. How did you know we actually prepared for this exact moment? And also we can just immediately incorporate this other person into our act. And we can conveniently insert your branding into the actual staging. This band that you guys literally formed four hours ago. And so we get our song montage ending with with actual clip art of like the products, one of the products. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, multiple products. They have there's first they show the special Bratz Rock Angels Cruiser and then the special uh, Bratz Rock Angel tour bus. And this tour bus is like an actual photo of of this special car that you can buy now in Toys R Us, except they poorly animated these, like, JPEGs over the wheels and just have them rotating as, like, cheap clip art versions of famous cities, like, move past, because, yeah. So the end of this movie is essentially just, like... A recap. Clip show of the movie we just watched... And with the brats being like, oh, by the way, Roxy became our new best friend, even though she apparently doesn't appear in the TV show. Even though. Like, I assume she does not. Yeah. I assume she was another brat's toy that they marketed. And then they just like, oh, we got to insert her into this movie somehow. And so it's like, yep, she's there. And uh, yeah, Birdine is still evil and wants to kill the brats. And the brats were famous. And that was the end. Yep. It's been a long time since we've watched a movie that just felt this. I mean, I guess you could say that the last Bratz movie had this similar effect, but it turns out Rock Angels was actually a three-part episode that was originally aired, and they just compiled it into a singular movie. So it is the the Clone Wars movie of the Bratz universe. They also did a three-part episode where they go to Paris. So, wait, 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 wait. What, 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 what? Emma, Emma. So I'm looking through the episode list of the Bratz TV show. Hit you want to know what the finale episode is called? Bratz oh, no. versus Barbie. Now that we got to watch. <laughs> the summary of this episode is that there's this new girl named Barbie Demon. Barbie Demon. And she has her evil boyfriend named Ken. They aren't even subtle. What the hell? And Emma... This episode is unaired. Unaired? What do you mean? It It's, according to the wiki, it never actually aired? Is it like, can you still watch it what? somewhere? Or is it... 
So apparently mid-season two, apparently there were 30 episodes slated for the second season, but by episode 19, the whole thing was canceled. And and there were actually two episodes that were just never aired because of it. Someone call the lost, the lost media wiki. I can't believe We've gotta this. We've got to get down to the bottom of this. I got to say, there was a reason why this show got canceled. Uh, apparently, it had a decently popular-ish following in TV. Like, it was canceled in 2008, where it was primarily shown in Britain. And it reached peak viewership of 51,000 which honestly doesn't okay. seem like a lot. I know. Like, what I that said does, before that was, seems... I feel like we need to get the Lost Media Wiki oh. in on this Forbidden oh, no. Brats finale. Oh my god! Because I would, I would like to see it. I need. I would very much like to yeah, see it. Yeah, it is utterly fascinating. I, uh, God, Emma, I hate that I'm being pulled into this rabbit hole, but the prospect of Brad's lost media. Like, the fact that they have full TV summaries, like, it means, like, there has to be at least a script out there, right? Like, someone maybe, has to have at least... Maybe some knowledge just was not meant for human eyes. You know? Perhaps. Maybe, but like, I don't a know. Pandora in this hypothetical situation, it's best we just leave the box and let the demons inside stew on their own. Perhaps, perhaps. But I think it does speak to the fact that overall, just a big problem that I have with this movie, as well as just the general whole of the Bratz property, is that it just feels very mean-spirited. Yeah, I mean, the Bratz, I wouldn't call them mean necessarily, but it definitely is very much a thing where, like, the ultimate way to be successful is to buy clothes all the time and be yeah, popular and famous. It's strange. It's clear that the Bratz were initially formed as a property as a response to the accusations of conformity that come with Barbie. So everything from Burdine to the Tweevils to this unaired Bratz episode like speaks out for this contempt towards other Barbies. And I don't know, I feel like the fact that they talk about how like, oh, you shouldn't conform, but you shouldn't do anything outside of your friend group. So it's a very strange dilemma between conforming versus fitting within your expectations. Like the appearance of rebellion, but really just another product of a corporate entity that would discard you if it meant making a single penny. Yeah. This movie, it really is, it's, it's a layered experience. You go through it a really variety is. of emotions while viewing it. It truly yeah. is a spectacle to behold. Yeah. God, the more I talk about it, the more, God, I hate that I kind of want to recommend this. I mean, it's for free on YouTube, so if you're interested, I'd check it out. Yeah, you know what, yeah. It's, you know what this reminds me of? This is like, uh, have you, do you know of the song Temporary Secretary by Paul McCartney? I don't believe in the Beatles. Well, I will have to show you that because like it is- Like that movie yesterday. 
Yeah, yeah. I live in a world where they do not exist. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just going to say that this... If you want to watch a movie and be like, I want to just have an absolutely dreadful time, this is the movie for oh. you. Oh, wait a second. I know what song you're yeah. talking about. It's the one that's yeah. like really unpleasant to listen yes. to. And it's just this is like a movie version of that. It, it's so unpleasant that it just derides a, a pure fascination, like looking at a train wreck. Like watching Cats 2019. That was a very long rambly discussion of this thing. But Emma, do you have any final thoughts about this movie? Uh, like I said, I feel like for all its faults, this one, I feel like if you ever have a bad movie night, this one would be a oh, good yeah. one I, yeah, to you, watch. This, honestly, like, if someone else hasn't already, we could probably easily make a Bratz drinking game with this movie. Like... Take a drink every time something happens to What's-Her-Face's nose. Take another drink whenever Brudine says, Oh, my pink. That's a phrase. I don't know why. No, she says, Mother of Pink. Mother of Pink, thank you. Apologies. That's her her evil catchphrase. Her evil catchphrase. Because they really like pink. Because they're, they like pink. Like that evil Barbie. Yeah, truly, they're the ones that are regressive. Not us. We're hip. What What is your rating of this movie, Henry? I, I, I will give this. I will give this a botched nose job out of 10. It is uncanny. It is disturbing. I'm sure it caused clear visible pain to the people that worked on it. And yet... It produces utter fascination. You? You took the one I was going to do, so uh, let me think for a second. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Yeah. I give this movie a a high heel out of five. Very glamorous, very hip, but if you wear it too long, you're going to have back problems that follow you the rest of your life. Actually, you know what? That is actually a very apt metaphor for this movie because, like, honest, maybe you can... I don't know if you'll agree with me, but it feels like the first 45 minutes you could vibe with this and like you could enjoy like the so bad it's good quality. But by that last chunk, it's like it just becomes too much. They just keep repeating the same bits over and over like a like a high heel shoe. The longer it goes, the more painful it gets. And eventually it just might snap. (laughs) Yep. I feel like this movie caused me to snap a couple of times. So... Oh yeah, it it definitely. There are some some moments in this movie that truly breaks the soul of a man. <laughs> All that said, thank you for joining us on this journey through this movie, listener. I don't know about you, Emma. Watching the Bratz movies and thinking about the Mycene dolls, I honestly kind of want to cover those next. Because they did a direct-to-video Mycene movie. You know what? Why not? Let's do it. Because I feel like if we're going to... like, Because the Mycenes were clearly acting in reaction to the Bratz. So we might as well see what Mattel's grand rebuttal. But if you want to see where we go with that, listener, you can do a couple of things to support us. Like Emma... You got a Twitter. Do I? You do. It's Emma Corey 9 
follow her because she's good. And Henry, uh, you're you're one of them, one of them bread tubers, kind of. Uh, I I do make the YouTube videos. Yeah, at uh, Henry Kathman on YouTube, Kathman Henry on Twitter, m- the portfolio Tumblr with every movie video, all, all the things I make kind of compiled into one place uh, at henrykathman.tumblr.com. And then, listener, if you want to support the things that we do, consider chucking me a dollar on the Patreon, patreon.com slash henrykathman. Yeah, but oh my god. In addition to that, if you want to know where we're going to go with this whole Bratz Barbie rivalry, you can get the latest updates by following us, the Pink Isle, on Twitter at Pink Isle Pod, as well as, you know, rating us on your podcast platform of choice. Honestly, this movie has kind of left me exhausted now. Like, I, got, I almost feel like I need to lie down in a field to detach myself from the artifice of this digital capitalist hellscape. Yeah, I do feel quite drained after this experience. Yes. So, I think that's what I'm gonna do. Emma, am I forgetting anything? Just remember, you may live in a society, but you don't have to let society live in you. (laughs) Okay, goodbye. (laughs)